Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. Um, today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Kaushiki Dasgupta. She's a professor of history at Vidya Sagar University uh, in West Bengal. And we'll be, seek- we'll be speaking about her uh, brand new publication called uh, Sadhus in Indian Politics, Dynamics of Hindutva. Kaushiki, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Raj. Thank you, Dr. Raj Balkarat, for introducing me, and uh, thank you for this program. I'm very much uh, thrilled and delighted to be a part of your book net- network. Thank you so much. Oh, it's our pleasure. Listen, how did you, um, what's the backstory for this book? How did, how did you get on this path of research? Uh, actually, uh, uh, as you know, that I'm from the discipline of history, and I was doing uh, modern Indian history quite for a long period of time. And uh, when I was uh, doing my PhD, I actually doing some work on the political parties. And after that, I took some research projects on Hindu politics and Hindu political parties, particularly in uh, Bengal, in uh, undivided Bengal and partitioned Bengal also. So after that, when I was working on the research project on Bharatiya Janasang and the other Hindu nationalist parties, how they performed in Bengal, and there I found some uh, you know, some sadhus or you can say some ascetics, some organizations in Bengal, those who were very much involved in these sort of politics, but publicly they didn't ever declare that they are doing politics in a way or other. I, and I found this sort of paradox very much interesting that these organizations and these sadhus, they were working in favor of Hindu nationalism, but uh, uh, in the public domain, they are looking like or they seem to be a kind of philanthropic organization or a seva or service uh, sort of provider, service provider sort of organization. And then I started looking for the connection between politics and this sort of asceticism uh, in Bengal and in other parts of India. And there I found some new sources and the very patterns of their uh, involvement in politics, how these sadhus, those were within the political domain definitely, but they were not directly inclined with these sorts of political activities, you know, electioneering or, uh, you know, uh, this is the attempting elections or doing some sort of, uh, you know, mobilizations. They were not doing that, but somehow they were actually propagating the very interest of the Hindu nationalist parties and, of course, uh, Hindu nationalism. So that's how I got the idea and I started working on this book. And uh, after working for almost two years, I came with this uh, book, Sadhus in Indian Politics. Say a bit about how the book is structured. Just tell us a bit about the, the, the chapters. Yeah, uh, actually, I have tried to uh, analyze the patterns, as just I mentioned, uh, the patterns of their involvement uh, of the sadhus, how they are being involved in Indian politics, 
uh, from colonial to post-colonial times. So this is not a kind of chronological, or it, I have done it in a very orderly manner. It's not like that. But I picked up some themes. And uh, this book is divided into four chapters. And uh, it talks about the networks, the modalities uh, that allowed the sadhus entry into the world of politics. And uh, the sadhus, actually, some of them deployed uh, seva and sangatan sort of tactics as a primary sites of political uh, mobilization. And some others, they stepped into the world of electoral politics uh, after contributing a unique mosaic of uh, Hindu traditionalism. So mostly these are the arguments. And I have uh, divided uh, the chapters that the first chapter, it talks about the potential of Sheba or service as a normative domain for uh, you know, reflecting <clears throat> greater political interest uh, through numerous avenues and projects. And I have focused on Swami Pranabhananda and Bharat Sebastian Shangha here as a case study. And this chapter, it talks about the original insights into the nuances of Hindu identity formation, Hindu consolidation through different Seba networks. And the second chapter, it's a bit uh, different one. Uh, it brings into focus the problems of locating the world of traditionalism in the modern democratic structure. And it's clashed with the dominant right-wing version of Hindutva. For instance, I have picked here a North Indian yogi turned politician Swami Karpatri Maharaj and his party Ram Rajya as a classic example uh, to understand the trends of orthodoxy and its conflict with modern uh, democratic politics. And in the third chapter, uh, I am talking about the shifting status of Hindutva as a movement in an age of information and technological boom, and it reveals many ways the new age gurus or divinity shadows they negotiated with the changing face of politics in a you know neoliberal uh, india so there are another chapter it, it talks about the fragments of interest uh, entering strong with the vishya hindu parishad uh, through questioning uh, its so-called authority over the sadhus with an institutional uh, affiliation and this chapter talks about the tensions and the transitions in vishya hindu parishad it travels through the uh, modern relationship, the vision the Parishad uh, shared with the sadhus, and it puts up the conflicts of interest uh, present in the organization's vision of Hindu Rashtra in India. So in a way, this is the, you know, uh, this is the themes what I have picked up in my uh, chapters, and I have dealt with uh, different issues uh, with, with uh, special case studies from uh, different parts of India with a particular focus on uh, Bengal and uh, northern part of India. So these are the chapters uh, in brief. Thank you. So one of the things that I look at in my research, and of course, uh, my particular research is, is, mm-hmm. is, isn't relevant per se insofar as you need not um, know any of my scholarship. But one of the things that I love to look at in, um, in, in um, Sanskrit narrative, um, um, epics, Purana, is um, the tension between ascetics and kings. Right, mm. uh, the, mm. the, the tension between the socio-political and and the spiritual, right, that we see mm-hmm. in, in mm. various iterations, and 
here I see a modern uh, seeming convergence <laughs> between between yes. aesthetics and king, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. and politics. So I'm wondering, mm-hmm. from your perspective, um, given your you know your your um, mm-hmm. your discipline, particular research, do you see attention in this? Um, is attention seen on behalf of these actors or the public, or is this attention that we find only in uh, the Ramayana and ancient texts? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's very much here because I can give you an example that uh, uh, the appointment of a Hindu sadhu like uh, Jagi Adityanath in the post of uh, the Chief Minister of the State of Uttar Pradesh uh, by the Bharatiya Janasang Party in 2017, it's once again it brought into focus these age-old template of uh, religion influencing politics or vice versa. So in the absence of a vast amount of studies discussing the influence of uh, this sort of interaction or uh, uh, now it became, uh, I think it actually became a project to trace out the sadhu strand politicians and you know, stepped into the modeled world of party politics in India, independent India. And the existing studies on the subject, uh, it's actually remained highly selective on the national narratives that are governing the nature of relationship between the sadhus and the uh, political forces, both at organized and unorganized sector of politics. Uh, uh, for, for instance, there are some researches, uh, those who are talking about the secretive world of the Naga sadhus, and they focused on their shifting status with the Rashtriya Science of Sangha towards the sadhu community. And there are researches on the role played by the sadhus in international politics and mostly emphasize that this uh, how this uh, RSS BHP Lyazo uh, you know served in dragging the sadhus into the courtiers of Hindutva but this tension what you were talking about uh, it is it is definitely there because generally sadhus in India they have been described as religious ascetics or holy persons so they may live jointly in a monastery or may wander from one place to another but uh, when we talk about sadhus in politics definitely this sort of understanding it's being changed and we need to put a new understanding of the subject that how did the sadhus why they were being uh, dragged into this political world and how this the nationalist perception of asceticism it has been changed from colonial to post-colonial time and uh, how it has been contested it has become a contested domain that fought with the waves of secularism leftist liberalism so there are so many issues when we talk about uh, the sadhus uh, you know, involvement uh, in politics. So somehow what you were referring that which what was being done in the Mahabharata that, where we can pick up some references from the uh, mythologies or from the text, this sort of tension, this sort of contradictions and paradoxes, I think the, these are becoming large nowadays and we can trace uh, definitely this uh, issue is there. Fascinating. Um, what would you, you know, you, you, as you may be aware, certainly my listeners are aware, uh, I entertain mm-hmm. a variety of views and perspectives on the podcast, and it's, you know, it's a neutral space to support mm-hmm. whatever scholarship is being produced. Um, what would you say the main takeaway of this, uh, of this research is? What, what, are you, what are you demonstrating primarily here? I'm trying to demonstrate, firstly, if I, if I need to point it out that uh, 
what we have seen in a general perception that uh, almost all the sadhus those who are uh, involved in politics in a way or other uh, they are being they are being called as hindu nationalist sadhus or somehow they are being dragged into a homogeneous universal uh, framework of hindu nationalism you know uh, they are they're walking in favor of hindu rashtra or they are somehow uh, committed to a particular political ideology but the thing is not like like that because uh, this sadhuism or asceticism when we talk about it in terms of politics it occupied multiple imaginations throughout history and even in post colonial time so sadhuism is a social religious and political phenomena it facilitated multiple interpretations of a historical trajectory uh, it reinvented uh, nationalism it contested colonialism and it provided the essential rational to induce the ideal of individual you know uh, self spirituality within the systematically uh, outlined uh, boundary of a distinct political culture so i would say that when we talk about sadhus doing politics or sadhus working for the political parties we mustn't uh, you know uh, limit our visions into a particular political or the very sort of uh, election oriented politics is not like that because what we have seen in early colonial time the sadhus those who are working for the society for instance from uh, post vivekananda time we have found this ideal of vedanta when we talk about uh, social recognition of the self how to realize the self from within the society or to be involved in uh, social service projects the sadhus were doing politics in a way or other but definitely this was not a politics of self this is a politics of nationalism but when we talk about sadhus doing politics in contemporary time somehow we are putting them into the same bracket like a politician but i shouldn't call them politicians they are sadhus definitely they would be they would remain they would continue to be the sadhus of the ascetics they are not the politicians but we need to understand the patterns and the networks of their involvement in politics so that is the particular theme i have uh, tried to work uh, into my book what are your primary um what data are you looking at what primarily are you using uh, yeah i i i i actually i have taken uh, definitely i worked on the primary sources and uh, other than the secondary sources and i have taken interviews uh, from the sadhus i visited the kumbh melas and uh, different you know uh, pilgrimage uh, centers in india whenever i got a chance and i visited ganga sadar melas and the other centers like haridwar kasi and there i uh, tried to take interviews definitely they were not very much easy or they didn't want to uh, share their ideas of uh, politics or uh, their involvement in politics but i tried to capture their mind uh, as far as uh, possible and i worked in the british library uh, for quite a long period of time and there i found some uh, the pamphlets uh, some rare newspaper clippings uh, some of the speeches that those were being transcribed and uh, some audio recordings so that uh, primary source set i i used when i was uh, writing this book and uh, other than this i visited the ashrams uh, the deras of these sadhus uh, in uh, particularly in bengal and the centers of these sang and missions and there i found a huge you know uh, quantity of literature there are different 
sort of literatures they have preserved in their libraries, in their archives. So these are basically uh, my sources. What surprised you the most about this research? Uh, I found that, uh, you know, first thing is, for instance, uh, the difference, uh, the way we talk about uh, sadhus doing politics in a general perception is very much different. Uh, when we talk about uh, sadhus uh, doing uh, a kind of, you know, what I can say, a sort of a spiritual maneuvering for their own community. And sometimes they are involved in, in, a, in a kind of bargaining for their own uh, development also. For, for instance, the sadhus, those who are involved in the Vishwa Hindu Parishad and uh, they are visiting different uh, Hindu faiths and different uh, congregations. Uh, they were, they, I, I would not say that uh, they were uh, doing a kind of uh, nationalist job or they're uh, working for the society, but definitely there are sadhus, those who are very much committed for the development of the society or uh, they are taking politics as, as something as a medium as an instrument of uh, you know serving the society but there are sadhus those who are very much uh, conservative traditionalists in their approaches and they are trying to improve the perceptions of their community they are trying to provide some sort of uh, you know comfort to their community for instance they're trying to have some monetary grants from the government or from the other ngos or the political organizations they're trying to build their own network in india and abroad and they are using different uh, you know these digital uh, medias and channels for the benefit of their of their own community so i i found it really weird and uh, I, I didn't like this, this idea actually because in a general perception what we know uh, in Indian uh, the sadhus or the very ascetics they're uh, selfless creatures they're working for the society they're uh, some divine creatures they're spiritual masters spiritual persons but in this muddled world of politics I found them uh, just like a you know, common individual. That was a very unfortunate thing what I got during my research. Is this uh, research that you hope to continue? Yeah, uh, I am uh, currently I'm working on another project. Uh, it's actually on uh, science and spirituality and uh, nation building. And uh, I, I have some references for my earlier work. And uh, I am working on uh, the very ideas of the evolution of the idea of spirituality, the differences between spirituality and religion, how it is being uh, realized in an Indian situation, and how these sadhus or the ascetics, and there are some lesser known sadhus who's, uh, on whom I am just uh, to, trying to concentrate on, how they have contributed to this project of spirituality, and what sort of contribution they have made to the society. Uh, and uh, how spirituality has been transformed uh, into a kind of uh, secular uh, you know, project, secular mode of uh, social service. So these are the issues what I am uh, dealing with right now. And definitely I am uh, picking some references, some ideas from uh, this book, uh, Sadhus in Indian Politics. Yeah. Could you say a little bit more about um, this idea of how spirituality is used um, in the secular arena? Yeah, uh, what I found that uh, currently I'm working uh, 
on uh, on the very aspects what we i can say the very uh, spiritual organizations uh, in post colonial time and uh, you see that uh, from the time of late 19th century india or when this brahmanism or uh, this brahmos they are trying to talk about a kind of universalism universal humanism not only from uh, actually from 19th century but from earlier time also we have uh, we have been a kind of exposure to this idea of uh, spiritually enriched uh, humanism which is definitely different from the humanism uh, from the west so uh, these 19th century intellectuals reformers thinkers they somehow developed this idea of spiritual humanism and uh, through the writings of uh, different uh, philosophers intellectuals poets politicians of course and ultimately through different uh, discourses and through different analysis from different analytical frames what we have found that uh, after independence there were possibilities of uh, you know transforming spirituality or accommodating spirituality into uh, the secular discourse of india but it was not been done that this was not the case but the way spirituality was projected after uh, independent it was completely different from the perception which has been developed uh, since uh, ancient time or particularly in 19th century and early uh, 20th century india the ideas of neo vedanta the ideas of neo hinduism these were definitely there were the secularist spirit or secularist uh, essence these were definitely there but somehow these have been ignored rather a kind of secularism uh, which was a western import it has been produced and it has been manufactured and it has been imposed on the very social fabric of india but there were the possibilities that whether uh, we could accommodate secularity and spirituality into one particular political frame or into one analytical frame uh, the result would have been you know different but uh, uh, such so that sort of you know experimentations had never been done in a proper label and all these congress politicians from nehru to his uh, these generations uh, followed by nehru they didn't work on this subject they had different scopes and opportunities but they didn't work on this particular issue and they somehow ignored the very possibilities of spirituality in india so that is the thing what i am trying to explore uh, right now so your the final um substantive chapter of your book um could you say a bit more about new age gurus uh, what you call the votaries of universal hindutva yeah uh this is a chapter which is based on the you know digital gurus i should say and uh, and the very issues of commercial spirituality and the commodifying uh, you know uh, spirituality how they were doing this sort of activities in india and in a diasporic situation and they are selling the very traditional knowledge and uh, the very paramparic guru based knowledge uh, how it's being commodified in a new emerging spiritual market and this uh, uh, new age gurus they are trying to project a new narrative of 
you know, politics, religion, spirituality, and uh, definitely there were the compulsions of a state uh, which was uh, on them. But the thing is that uh, the to what extent uh, this format of Hinduism would be conducive to the uh, ideology of uh, Hindutva, uh, it created the enigma of putting uh, spirituality and religiosity in their respective terrains. So uh, these new age gurus, somehow they are doing a different sort of job and uh, they are trying to put focus on individualism, uh, self-spirituality, and uh, they are trying to sell spirituality in an international market. So uh, these ideas I am trying to, I have tried to explore in this and book and I picked up references from Sadhguru, from uh, Ravi Shankar, the New Age Gurus and some other Gurus also. And uh, uh, so this is actually, I think uh, I, I should work more on this uh, particular issue. And because this is a very interesting and fascinating one. And what I have seen that uh, here, uh, these new age gurus, they are actually directly working for a particular political party or a sort of political ideology. But uh, somehow it's very difficult to trace the very link because they are very much popular with the urban middle classes. They are very much popular with the urban youths. So it's very difficult to call them uh, a political agent. They are gurus or they are sadhus. Definitely they are like that. But it's very difficult to trace the link that how they are being involved in modern day sort of politics or state democracy. They are projecting a certain kind of political ideology. So these are the you know uh, issues I have attempted to deal with uh, in this particular chapter. And when you say it's very difficult to find the link, are you saying yeah. that you have found links that were difficult to find? Yeah, I, I found links because uh, there are very, you know, scattered references when they are tweeting, uh, they are making Facebook posts or uh, they are organizing seminars, they are participating in conferences abroad. So in a way or other, they are uh, they're, they're trying to advocate, they're trying to project the very importance of the certain political ideology in the name of Basudeva Katumbakam. They're using this sort of, you know, uh, this sort of ideas that, and even the uh, market, particularly the social media, YouTube channels, television channels, different uh, newsletters, posters, video cassette, advertisements on print and electronic media. It's a huge marketing strategies that they are using. And marketing strategies, media support brought this new discourse of sadhuism into a dialogue with the larger audience, definitely, and especially with the urban classes, as I mentioned. And these urban classes, they appear to be very much crucial uh, to negotiating the power dynamics of Hindutva with Bharativatta uh, through regular display and a participation in spiritual performative uh, acts. So uh, the links are there, but as I just mentioned, these are very vague and you need to be very careful to call these sadhus new age sadhus or gurus are uh, true politicians, but they are definitely politicians. <laughs> but uh, this pattern of involvement is quite unique what I would say. Fascinating. Is there anything else about the books that you hope to touch on today? I think that uh, I, I should I should ask uh, the audience or the readers that uh, that whenever they would be 
they would take some interest uh, in this sort of research. Uh, they must investigate the spirit of individualism, uh, which has been reflected by Indian sadhus throughout the ages, whether they are involved in politics or not. Because what we have found, uh, these people, uh, they are trying to treat politics as Jano uh, Sheba, but the general common politicians, they are doing politics as Rajaniti. So you need to be very much specific between the differences between Jano Sheba and Rajaniti. But nowadays, almost all the politicians, they are claiming that they are doing some sort of Seba in the name of politics. But uh, in, in reality, it's not the case. And the very spirit of individualism, which is being reflected by the sadhus in organized and honor organized domain of politics. So we should be specific about the very uh, dialectics of Hindutva when we talk about these sadhus, because uh, generally in the political science literature or in history literature, there is one dominant understanding of Hindutva, but Hindutva is not that what when we talk about Savarkar or the other thinkers, uh, but this is not, not only one connotation of Hindutva. There are multiple connotations of Hindutva from regional perspectives, from caste perspective, from linguistic perspective. So you need to be very much specific that what is Hindutva uh, in, in a specific context. So that is my uh, first, that is the thing what I need to uh, emphasize here. And also what I just uh, mentioned that the sadhus and gurus, how did they explore the very idea of Hinduness, uh, of the Hindus, and confront the very uh, narratives of a dominant mode of uh, Hindutva offered by a particular political party or political uh, institutions. Thank you very much for appearing on the podcast today. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this uh, wonderful interaction and thank you and my best wishes for doing this job and I really appreciate of uh, this new book uh, network how they are introducing new subjects and new researchers uh, to the academic domain. Thank you Dr. Raj, thank you so much for being with me. Yes, my pleasure, my pleasure. For those of you listening. (laughs) Yeah, I'm listening. For those of you listening in the audience, we have been okay. speaking with uh, Dr. Kaushiki Dasgupta, uh, uh, professor of history at Vidyasagar University. We've been speaking with her about her her, her new 2021 Sage uh, publishing book, um, Sadhus in Indian Politics, uh, Dynamics of Inhutva. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, keep listening, keep reading, and keep contemplating sadhus involved in politics. Take care.